In Numbers 13, of course, is when the spies come back from spying out the land of Canaan, <clears throat> the land that God was giving to Israel after they came out of Egypt. And this is the report that ten of the spies gave. <clears throat> And they told him, verse 27, I'm sorry, chapter 13 of Numbers, and verse 27. And they told him and said, We went to the land which you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwelled in that land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Wherever we saw the descendants of Anak there, the Amalekites who dwell in the land of the south and all these different tribes of armies. And in verse 30, Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up and take possession, for we are able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report which spied out the land, saying, The land which we have gone as spies is the land that devoured its inhabitants. And we saw the people who we saw in, the, in it are men of great stature, means they're very tall. And we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. So we saw in their sight. Giants in the land. The name of this, so you don't have to ask me. That's the name of this one. The Giants in the Land. Josiah asked me every week for a, a title for the, the recording. So you can hear it if you want. Anybody wants to hear it online. It says, We saw the giants in the land. And you can see that when God had made a promise to the children of Israel, they didn't put their faith in the Word of God. They put their faith in what they saw. And this is the challenge of new human nature, our, our mortal nature, our flesh, versus the things of the Spirit. And the tension there is between the two. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 said, are you looking at things according to the outward appearance? You're just looking at them for the way they appear, the way they seem, the way they look, the way they sound. And this is the conflict between the flesh and the spirit. And we who are in Christ, we are told to be spiritually minded and that naturally not carnally minded. The natural mind looks at things for the way they appear, the way they look, the way they sound, the way they feel. God brought judgment against those who just look at things according to the outward appearance. In this passage, we're not going to read the whole passage. But it says about Caleb and Joshua, it says, My servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, and I will bring him into the land where he went. And his descendants shall inherit it. A blessing to those who follow the Lord fully. And following the Lord fully means believing his word fully. And that is where God's blessings are. That's where God's help is. That's where hope is. It's a matter of faith. And it takes courage to have faith. 
spiritual courage. Not fool's courage, spiritual courage. So from there we go to Deuteronomy chapter 2. Deuteronomy is a couple books. It's the next book, after, actually the next book after Numbers. Deuteronomy chapter 2. And verse 17. It says, now, now this is where Moses is recounting what happened up until the time that he was about to die, the 40 years in the wilderness. So he says, in verse 17, the Lord spoke to me, this day you are to cross over at Ar, the boundary of Moab. And when you come near the people of Ammon, do not harass them or meddle with any of them. For I will not give you any of the land of the Ammonites as a possession, because I have given it to the descendants of Lot as a possession. Ammon was one of the sons of Lot. There's two sons of Lot, one of them was Ammon. And the Ammonites, they were the descendants of Lot. So you're not going to get any of that territory. But he says, in verse 20, he says, that was also regarded as a land of giants. And giants formerly dwelt there. <clears throat> verse 21, a people as great and numerous as tall as the Anakim, but the Lord destroyed them before them, and they dispossessed them and dwelt in their place. So the descendants of Lot, the Ammonites, the Lord drove out the giants that were in the land of Ammon before the Ammonites and gave it to the descendants of Lot for possession. And then he goes on to say, in verse 22, just as he had done for the descendants of Esau, who dwelt in Seir, and he destroyed the Horites before them, and so forth. So, the Edomites were the descendants of Saul of of, uh, of Esau, and God drove out the people before them. So when God told them to enter the to enter the land of Canaan, and they drew back from it, it wasn't like God had never done that before. Not only had he delivered them from Egypt, but he had delivered the descendants of Esau and the descendants of of a lot from the place that they would receive their possession. Drove out giants and armies before then. This was nothing new for the Lord. So, in chapter 3 of Deuteronomy, beginning in verse 1, He says, And then we turned up and went up the road to Bashan, and Og, king of Bashan, came out against us, he and all his people, to battle at Edrai. And the Lord said to me, Do not fear him, for I have delivered him and all of his people and his land into your hand. You shall do to him as you did to Sihon, king of the Amorites, who dwelt at Heshbon. And verse 11 says, For only Ah, king of Bashan, remained of the remnant of the giants in that land there. Indeed, his bed, bed was an iron bed, and is not an Arabah, nine cubits in length and four cubits in width, according to the standard cubit. <clears throat> you know how long Sion's, or uh, Og's bed was? Is 14 and a half feet long. So I, I assume they built a bed that was as big as him. Do you know, or 13 and a half, I'm sorry, 13 and a half feet. Do you know that that's four feet taller than Goliath later on? So this is a massive, this is a big man. 
So would, would they become extinct? People that big or what? I, I just wonder, it's tangential. Well, this one was killed. They were all, eventually, they were all killed. As we we're going to go on to read. They were the descendants of Anak. Oh, so, yeah. And so, <clears throat> at this time, God delivered them from this giant and all of his army. So God began to do that before they entered the promised land. So from there, we go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. And of course... A lot of people don't believe there were giants. But yeah. that's scientifically well, possible. Well, why don't we not hold the, the side comments and we, yeah. you can talk yeah. to us later yeah. about that after the meeting. Yep. Thank you. Deuteronomy, I mean, I'm sorry, First um, Samuel chapter 17. Beginning in verse 2. And Saul and the men of Israel are gathered together, and they camped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle against the Philistines. Now the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, with a valley between them. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. It's about nine and a half feet tall. In verse 8, And he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel, and he said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself. Let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. And it says in verse 16, And the Philistines drew, Goliath drew near and presented himself forty days, morning and evening. So twice a day he came out and challenged Saul and his army. Nobody had the courage to confront him. And you say, well, they took giants before in in history past, but that was army against army. Now Goliath is saying, come on, one on one, one person against one person, let's fight. Forty days he did it, twice a day. In the morning and the evening, nobody had the courage to fight him. In the book of Proverbs, it says in chapter um, 28 and verse 1, it says, The wicked will flee when no one pursues them, but the righteous shall be as bold as a lion. So what was happening here? There was no boldness. There was no faith to confront the giant in the land. But then there was a person, of course, David, who Samuel had anointed with oil, and said the Holy Spirit came upon him from that day forth. And he comes to visit, and visit his brothers and the army that were being confronted for 40 days, And as he's talking at the camp of the Israelites, it says in verse 23 of chapter 17, Then he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the army of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the same word. So David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. They had 40 days to muster up courage. No courage, no faith. And as Jesus said, 
Why, how is it you have no faith? So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to divide Israel. It shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich him with great riches, give him his daughter, and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. And then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now here's a man of faith. Not faith in himself, but faith in God. He says he's defying the armies of the living God. Who is he, this uncircumcised he has faith in the God of Israel and he begins to speak of it because the Holy Spirit is upon him. He's not a man of just a man of flesh. He's a man of faith. And the Holy Spirit, he's, he's a man of spirit. He's a spiritual man. And he sees it differently than everybody else. When we walk in the Spirit, when we're spiritually minded, we see things differently than everybody else. And we have faith. One of the fruits of the Spirit is faith. Not just faith in faith, not just faith in some arbitrary God, but faith in the God of the Bible, faith in Christ Jesus who died for them. And they believe it. So he, verse 31 now when the words which David spoken were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no one's heart fail because of him, for your servant will go and fight with the Philistine. And David said, and Saul said to David, You're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you're a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. Again, we hear the voice of the flesh and the voice of the spirit. One is looking at it according to the outward appearance. The other one is looking at it through the eyes of the spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is upon him. And he sees it differently. David sees it differently than Goliath. Goliath is a man of war. Never, he's, he fought many battles. David is a man never been in war. But he goes on to say, David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its spear and struck and killed it. This is not normal. We can say that much. It's not normal for a man to have that kind of courage. Because it talks about the courage of a lion in Proverbs 28. The righteous shall be as bold as a, as a lion. <coughs> this man had the courage not only to go up to a lion or a bear, both of them, and to take the sheep out of his mouth to strike it so that it says, I struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. So what did he hit him with? Maybe with a staff or something? But it said, then it turned and attacked me. You ever see a size of a bear attacking or a lion attacking how they lunge and they're this massive animal with massive paws? He's like grabbed it by the beard and struck it killed it by striking it. I don't know, he had a rock in his hand? I don't know. Or maybe he punched it so hard. Who knows? It might have been a supernatural occurrence like Samson. They didn't know why Samson was so strong. They wanted to know the secret of Samson's strength because he apparently he didn't look that so impressive that he could kill a thousand men in an army or three thousand men. So whether it was a supernatural thing or 
a lot we don't know. All as we know that David did it by faith. Because he says, it says, this uncircumcised Philistine, the Goliath, will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the lion who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. He gave the glory to God. He said, because I did it, he didn't say it like that, I did it, and I, was, I hit him so hard that he fell, and that was the end of it. He, he wasn't talking about his own strength, he was talking about the power of God. The Lord is the one who delivered me. And his courage was not natural, it was supernatural. And so we say this, and we read this not as a history lesson, in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, it says these things are written for our learning and for our growth and to us to mature. It's written for us to learn something for it as a Christian. Yes, we're not going to war and fighting against armies, physical armies. We're fighting against spiritual armies. And there are giants in the land. And we'll talk in a minute what those giants are that we're confronted with day by day. <clears throat> so then comes the confrontation. In verse 40, And he took in his staff in his hand and chose for himself five smooth stones from a brook, put them in the shepherd's pouch, Pouch which he had in his sling in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came and drew near to David, and the man who bore the shield went with him before him. So the, the giant didn't even go by himself. His armor bearer went with from him as a shield <clears throat> to protect him from any arrows or any any low shots with a slingshot. <laughs> He was going, that's what they do. The armor bearer goes in front of them with a shield in front of him. Any spears or anything like that. Verse 43. <clears throat> so the giant, the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And he cursed, and the Philistine cursed David by his gods. He says to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Very confident. He said, you're coming to me with his sticks. And he cursed him because he saw he was a young fella. Maybe the teenager. Young fella. He saw how young he was. He saw he was carrying a stick in his hand. He said, you're coming after me. I'm a, this, this man of war. And you're coming after me with my, me and my sword and my shield and my spear and everything else. You're coming to me with a stick in your hand, a staff. And he cursed him. And he says, come on over here, I'm going to feed you to the birds. I'll take care of you. Come on over here. And David's answer is a very bold answer. It is an answer of courage, similar to what he said, what Jonathan said, before he attacked the camp of the Philistines. When the camp of the when he, he told his arm bearer, he goes, we're going to go in this camp. He says, God doesn't need, God can save by many or by few. We don't need a whole bunch of people. God is with us. So David has a similar mindset when he speaks to, David, to to Goliath, the giant. And David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and a spear and a, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you, take your head from you, and this day I will give the, the carcasses, that means the bodies of the camp of the Philistines, to the bird of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord, and he will give you into our hands. 
not looking at things according to the outward appearance. The Christian has to learn something from this message of this story. That God does not operate according to the outward appearance. We read last week where it says that in 1 Samuel, that God does not see as man sees. God does not look at things the way man looks at things. He says that man looks at the outward appearance. Where did David get such courage? Where did, where did he have such boldness? And he says, because the, the, the Goliath says, I'm going to give you your body to the birds of the air. And David says, I'm going to give, God is going to deliver not only your body, the bodies of your whole army, your army here. Not just you, your whole army is going to be, you know, the birds of the air and the, and the beasts of the field are going to feed on your whole, on the bodies of your whole army here. Such boldness, such courage. It's not natural, it's not normal, it's not mortal. It's supernatural, it's spiritual. Because David was seeing as God saw it. That the one thing that Goliath and the whole Philistine army didn't understand was not that David was a good shot with a slingshot, but the power of God was on his side. And somehow, some way, God was going to deliver them into his hands. And he had that courage. There are obstacles in our lives. Today we'll call them giants. There are giants in our land. Challenges, obstacles, things that maybe we've given up on. We know others have given up on. We've seen others give up on. There's giants. Giant obstacles. Things that make us afraid. Things that might discourage us. Massive obstacles. We don't see anything happening. We see how bad people are. They'll never change. We see all these obstacles. And we can be like Saul's army. Even Jonathan was hiding from Goliath. A man of courage and faith a few chapters before. Now, he's with the army. He's hiding. He's afraid of Goliath. What happened to Jonathan? Are we running from the obstacles? Are we discouraged from standing by faith and not wavering? We have to stop. We have to be encouraged in what the, the Holy Spirit is teaching in this message here. In this, in this not what I'm saying, but what the, what the Holy Spirit is saying in this, this message. This is written for our learning, to understand something here. And the, the thing we're to understand is to not look at things according to the outward appearance. Not to be intimidated by the giants in the land, the giants in our life, the obstacles, but to be a man or woman of faith, boy or girl of faith. Stand up and believe God's word and walk in it. The Lord does not save with sword or spear. The battle is the Lord's. Power of God, not the power of man. You read when the children of Israel went in the promised land with Joshua, that at Jericho, the walls of that great towered city fell down. That when they went to attack many of the armies that came against them, that the Lord sent hornets before them. He thundering and lightning, giant hailstones, all kinds of things. The Lord went before them. And the Lord made it clear to Joshua, because I will be with you. Don't be afraid of them, because I will be with you. And I will help you. I will be your helper with you. And I will help you, and I will go before your armies. And you read it over and over and over again throughout all these stories, about how when the Lord was with them, no one could stand before them, just like he told Joshua. Verse 48, so it was, 
when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. He didn't just walk toward him or tiptoe towards him. He was running towards him. Not afraid. There was no fear in this man. Why? It was. He, his faith was in the power of God. Verse 49, And David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead. So the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. <clears throat> so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and struck the giant Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him, cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley, the gates of Ekron, and the wounded of the Philistines fell on the road, just as David had prophesied. He took Elias head off his shoulders with his own sword, with Goliath's sword. David didn't have a sword. He killed him with a, with a slingshot on the stone, and he took his, took his sword out, Goliath's sword out, and killed him with it. And then the whole army ran, Philistines ran, and the Israelites pursued him, and they killed him all on the road as they chased him. It's a lot easier to defeat an army and to and to and to kill another army when they're on the, when their backs are turned to their pursuers, and that's what they did. Just they ran, and Israel pursued them, and all those bodies on the road, just as David across prophesied. Man of God, man of faith, man without fear. The Bible says we have not been given a spirit of fear, but why are we bound in fear sometimes? Because sometimes we're walking by faith, like Jonathan, and sometimes we're not like Jonathan. And like David, we see in some places. It's a fight. It's a fight every day. Let's not make excuses. Because we see the difference between those who walked and, and trusted God, trusted His power and His promises, and those who didn't, how God rewarded the men of faith and courage. And those who didn't. <clears throat> so we go to Second Samuel chapter twenty one, a couple quick thoughts there. 2 Samuel, chapter 21. In verse 15. Second Samuel twenty one fifteen. When the Philistines were at war against Israel, again with Israel, David and his servants with him went down and fought against the Philistines, and David grew faint. Then Ishbi Benab, I like that name, Ishbi Benab, one of the giants, one of the sons of the giant, who <clears throat> was bearing a new sword, thought he could kill David, but Abishai, son of Zariah, came to his aid. And struck the Philistines and killed him. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, You shall go no more out to battle, lest you quench the lamp of Israel. David was getting old. So, <clears throat> one of the sons of the giant was killed right there by Abishai. Abishai was David's nephew. It was Joab's brother, David's nephew. Verse 18, Now it happened afterward... There was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob, and Sibachai the Hushethite killed Saph, 
who is one of the sons of the giant. And then there was war at Gob with the Philistines. And it talks about how they killed the brother of Goliath, the Gittite. So Goliath's brother was killed by one of David's men. Yet again there was war at Gath. And there was a man of great stature, it means he was very tall, who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. And he was also born to the giant. And so when he divided Israel, Jonathan, son of Shimei, David's brother, killed him. So that's another of David's nephews killed another giant. And that was another son of Goliath. And verse 22, these four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. So you, to answer the, the question that John brought up earlier about what happened to the giants, and you begin to see what happened to them, that David's men were also men of faith, and they fought the giants. They saw what David did, and it gave them courage, and they began to, to take on the giants. And they were successful too. Isn't that funny how faith can be contagious? Isn't that funny? They see somebody else do it and they begin to follow it. And the Bible says in the New Testament, follow those who out of faith and patience inherit the promises of God. They saw people acting by faith. Follow those who, who, who had faith in God and received reward, were rewarded for their faith. And also in 2 Samuel chapter 23, two chapters over, it talks about um, David's mighty men and all the things that they did. And I'll just read a few of them. It talks about one of them in chapter 23 in verse 8. Adino, he killed 800 men at one time. Verse 9 was Eleazar. It says, He defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle, and the men of Israel retreated. It says in verse 10, He arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand stuck to the sword. Because he got like carpal tunnel or something. He couldn't open his hand. And it says, The Lord brought about a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to plunder. So all the rest of Israel ran away, and he stood there and defeated them by himself. In verse 11, it talks about another man of his mighty men named Shammah. It says, The Philistines had gathered together into a troop and were there in a piece of ground full of lentils. So the people fled from the Philistines, but he stationed themselves in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory there. It says, then three of the 30 chief men went down to harvest time. Okay, and so, leave that one go. And then, that's a long story. And then it talks about, in, in verse 18, it says, Abishai, the brother of Joab, this is David's nephew, he lifted his spear against 300 men, killing them. And then verse 20, was Benaiah, son of Jehoiada. He killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. He also had gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. Another one who killed a lion. In verse 21, and he killed an Egyptian, a spectacular man. Means a very impressive, gigantic man, I guess. A spectacular man of appearance. The Egyptian had a spear in his hand, so he went down to him with a staff, a stick, and wrestled the spear out of the man's hand and killed him with his own spear. And then it goes on to talk about others of David's men of, of courage and faith. It wasn't just David. It was his men. And where did they learn that faith? They saw what David did. They saw what Jonathan did. And they learned. And they followed those who were men of faith. We have to follow these examples of men and women of faith that God gives us 
in both the Old and the New Testament. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. Move along quickly. Matthew verse 8, chapter 8, and verse 23. Now when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great storm, a great tempest, arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. We've talked about this example many times, but what makes us afraid? If we're sitting in this boat, we're going to be afraid. And you see what they were afraid, they called on the Lord. We have not been given a spirit of fear, the Bible says. If we're born of the Spirit, we have not a spirit of fear given to us from God. The spirit of the fear is in our flesh, our human nature. It's not from God. And so there are the two natures. You see it in King Saul and David. Two different things coming out of their mouth, looking at the same exact situation, same circumstances. Saul looks at it one way, David looks at it the other. Saul looks at it according to the flesh, according to human nature. David looks at it according to the Spirit, according to the power of God. If we've received the Spirit of God, in Galatians 5 says, let us also walk in it. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. It implies that the man of God can still walk in the flesh and still be carnally minded. That's why we feel afraid and, and, we, and we get discouraged, because we're thinking according to the flesh. Like Saul. What was the end of Saul? It was disgrace, dishonor. What was the end of David? Honor. And great promises fulfilled in the Lord. A man after his own heart. Because he trusted God like Abraham. He was a man like Abraham. He believed God and he walked in faith. Not Saul. Saul was a man who lived according to what he saw. Saul, Saul. Saul walked, Saul walked according to what he saw. And Jesus' response, he said, Why are you afraid, are you of little faith? And he rose, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. You know, when we're walking in fear, the Spirit of God is saying that to us. We may not hear it with our ears, but he's speaking to our spirit and our heart. He's saying, Why are you afraid, are you of little faith? Why are you discouraged? Why are you depressed? Why are you giving up? Why are you arms up in the air surrendering? Why are you waving the white flag? What's going on with you? Is what the Lord's saying to us. When we're, when we're listening to the devil, when we're listening to our human nature, our flesh, if we're listening to that, the message from God is coming through loud and clear. You're on the wrong channel. Stop listening to that garbage. That leads to corruption. Verse 27, The men marveled, that means they were surprised, and saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? They underestimated power of God. Who is this? Look at this. He was beginning to take them through the school of faith. The school of faith and prayer. Matthew 14. 
22, Matthew 14, 14, 22. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, and he sent the multitude away. And when he sent the multitude away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. Now the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now on the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost, and they cried out for fear. Believe this, that everything that happened in the story, God set it up this way. To teach his disciples faith, but not just the disciples in the boat. To teach us. To teach us about faith. To put us in the boat with his disciples. And to put us out in the water with Peter, as we see what happens next. And in verse 27, immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It's I, don't be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And so he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the water, he walked in the water to go to Jesus. And when he saw that the wind was boisterous, that means it was blowing, and he was afraid, and he began to sink, and he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Will you begin to see over the course of time, as Jesus began to teach them and disciple them, he's teaching them about who he is and teaching them how to live and about the power of God and how that we should live by it. And in the first story, we read about they're all on the boat and the water is coming in the boat and they're scared and they cry out and Jesus saves them. And he says, how is it you have no faith? And so the second time, Jesus sends them away. They're out in the boat, out in the water on the, in the, on the sea. And then <clears throat> as they're out in the sea, it says the winds begin to blow and the waves are becoming beginning to churn. So it was, a, it was a rough seas and windy. And then the fourth hour of the night, there's Jesus walking in the water. The first thing, they're scared. They think it's a ghost because they don't know who it is. They think it's a spirit. And Jesus says to them, it's me. Don't be afraid. So then Peter, <clears throat> all of a sudden he musters up this courage. says, if that's you, Lord, let me come to you. I'm going to walk in the water towards you. Jesus says, come on out, Peter. There goes Peter. It says, he begins to walk on the water. Now, you see, with one of the people that's in the boat, he has a little bit of courage, a little bit of faith. And so he starts to walk on the water. He's got faith. He's walking on the water. Look at me. Jesus, I'm coming to you. And all of a sudden, says, he sees, he begins to notice the wind again. All the circumstances around him, down he goes. Because he took his eyes off the Lord. He stopped trusting in the power of God to walk in the water. And he began to reason, natural reasoning again. Wind. Waves. Down. And so Jesus rescues him and he says, Why did you doubt? You know, that's what many of us do. We start to walk by faith. And then somewhere along the way, the things that we're walking by faith about, they overtake us. We start to look at them again, or they might get worse. And down we go. Are we down today? Is that where we are? Are we down in the water? Saying, Jesus, save me, I'm drowning. Help. Of course, Jesus will help us like he did Peter. And walk us back into the boat, and then he's going to say, Why are you down? Are you of little faith? Not no faith, but little faith. He talked about the, his disciples having no faith. Now he's talking about Peter not having little faith. He had enough to get out of the boat and walk, but not enough to stay up afloat. 
And for each of us as Christians in the world we live in today, and raising children in it, and, and everything else we have to do, and live in this Sodom and Gomorrah world, we're called to trust Him, to live by faith. And the Apostle Paul said, God allowed all these things to happen to us so that we will learn to trust not in ourselves, but in God. God is moving us in this present time away from self-sufficiency, away from trusting in ourselves and trusting in God who raises the dead. Trusting in God. That's what this is all about. The walk in Christ is all about trusting Him. Lord, save me. He is being swallowed up in fear and doubt and unbelief. Lord, save me. That's where we are today. Today is the day. Today is the day to cry out, Lord, help me up again so that I can stand on higher ground like the hymn says. Lord, lift me up so that I might stand by faith on heaven's table land. A higher plane than I have found. Lord, lift me up on higher ground. That higher ground is the place of faith. That's what that song is all about, that hymn. Lord, lift me up on higher ground. These things happen to us so we may learn to trust not in ourselves but in God who raises the dead. God allows these giants to come into our life like he did the children of Israel. For our learning, to learn to trust in God and not in ourselves. The children of Israel learned from David and Joshua to overcome the giants. And after David, we see the story and the history of what happens that his men learn to overtake and to defeat the giants just like David did wasn't because they were so big and strong. The big and strong giants, they weren't as big as the giants. They weren't as strong as the giants. But they put their trust in God. It raises the dead. Brothers, if you want to comment on that or anything else, you have a few minutes to...